Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. There we go. That's it. Come on, man. Let's get some... Let's get some uh, atmosphere going over here, right? Come on, I know it's, it's raining outside. I know it's November, but come on, the Lord is in the house today, right? Okay, exciting, great guys. Hey, just shake your neighbor and tell them we're going somewhere today. Just take, not, not aggressively, Joe, that we want to keep them on their seats. And tell them we're going to participate today. There's going to be a participation today. All right, exciting, guys. So uh, as Justin mentioned, that we're in the series called We the Church, We the Church, and um, it's specifically been designed to answer the question, what does it mean to belong to the local church, right? So what does it mean to belong to the local church? What does it mean to be in, in each other's uh, presence? What does it mean to, to participating, seeking, following Jesus? What does all of that mean? And so this series has been designed for that and so we've had these three faith statements, and I'm just going to recap the first two from Ladea and Shettle that preached the first one, and Team Style that preached the second one. So the first one is we see God's presence and kingdom before everything else. Keyword, seek. We seek God's presence. You may have grown up in church where you've led to believe that doing for God is equal to being with God. And I want to tell you that that is no further from the truth. Not so, so being with God and doing for God are not equal to each other. All right. So Shettle, he, he highlighted in his message the story about Martha and Mary. So I'll just try and um, <clears throat> visualize it for you. So here, here they're in this little house. Um, Mary is uh, sitting at Jesus' feet. He's just uh, arrived there with his disciples. They've been out. They've got dirty feet. They're all dusty. They've just been out in the marketplace ministering. And Mary's sitting there listening to Jesus. And Martha, her sister, is frantically busy cleaning the house and making food and getting everything ready. Look, I mean, who honestly, come let's be honest, if Jesus comes to our house, who would not do some cleaning up? Who would not make some amazing food, right? So no, let, let's, let's be honest, that those things have to be done, right? So they are just, let's not disqualify what Martha was doing. But Mary sat at Jesus' feet, and, and Martha was really upset with her and, and for not participating in cleaning the house and, and making food. But, and so she came with a complaint to Jesus. She said, Jesus, look at my sister. Tell her to help me. She's just sitting there listening to you, and she's just participating in what you are saying. And Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, Mary has chosen the better way. Mary has chosen the better way. Mary participated in being with Jesus rather than doing for him. Mary was seeking Jesus' presence. Now, I'm not saying, guys, it's, it's, it's important to do for Jesus, you know, to, to make sure that this hall is clean, that there's fika and, and you know, all, all these things. But it should never outweigh you seeking God. It should never outweigh and replace seeking God. Very, very important. Ladea brought to our attention Exodus 33, the tenacity of Moses. So Moses was on Mount Sinai for a second time. God was pretty upset with the Israelites. They had just been worshiping a golden calf, and he was getting the second set of the Ten Commandments. 
And God said, hey, look, I, I don't want anything to do with these Israelites. This, this, I, I just, you know, I'm so upset with them. I'm going to, you know, just you know, extract myself from, from them and their presence. And Moses pleaded with God. And he said, God, please go with us on the way to Canaan. We are not going to be able to make it. Exodus 33, uh, 17 um, is, is what God replied to Moses. He said, I will indeed do what you ask, for I look favorably on you and I know you by name. Verse 18, Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. Moses was not satisfied with God only accompanying them along the way to Canaan. He understood that there was more. He wanted to press in into the presence of God. He wanted more than the omnipresence of God to be with them. What he wanted is the tangible presence, the manifest presence of God. That's what Moses was after. He was simply not satisfied just saying, God saying, don't worry, Moses, I'll go with you guys. The omnipresence of God was not enough for Moses. He knew that there was more. He wanted that tangible, manifest presence of God to be with him. And to have that same hunger that Moses had as well too in our quiet times when we, when we spend times in the morning or the evening, whenever you do your devotionals or within your connect groups or when you over here in the service as well, I want us to seek his presence, guys. I don't want this just to be a, a gathering where we gather together as a church family and listen to what I have to say. I want us to be here seeking his presence. I want you guys to be here responding, participating in what God is doing this morning. And in the same way, it will, it will be a, a thirst, that you, an unquenchable thirst uh, that will be satisfied through the consumption of Jesus. And so it's so important to be seeking and is the foundational aspect and the part of when we call ourselves, we the church, and answering the question, what does it mean to belong to the local church? Secondly, we had intentionally following Jesus daily, desiring to become more like him. A key word, follow. Everyone say, follow, follow. All right, so we had Team Style uh, busy doing a back-to-back -back, uh, sermon over there on the topic of follow, and they shared from their own lives. They shared what it means to follow Jesus. And so Lynn shared with her journey on the early years in her life where she really struggled with what it meant to follow Jesus. And she got a revelation when she, when she started reading the Message Bible written by or translated by Eugene Peterson uh, and, and, and how she got a revelation of that and how that really transformed her life and understood how and what it meant to follow Jesus. She, she challenged us with a few practical things about following Jesus and in every aspect of our life, handing ourselves over to him and making ourselves available. She challenged us to explore all areas in our lives and um, asking those tough questions. Any areas in your life that you have not invited Jesus into? Any, any of those areas? And so this is so important that living a genuine integrated life for Jesus was what Lynn it was encouraging us. Justin brought up Mary, Jesus's mother. Three times Mary lost Jesus and then found him again in a completely different way. I mean, she, she totally had a different perspective of Jesus every time she found him. And so Justin was basically saying is that no matter what's going to happen in your life, there's going to be a curveball being thrown into your life. There's going to be scenarios. There's going to be events. There's going to be traumatic events that happen in your life. So it's, it's not about if but it's more about when and how you manage those situations. And you might be asking, but where was Jesus in those times when these traumatic events happened? Where was he? 
I thought he was with me. I had, a, I had a certain perspective and a certain idea of who Jesus was. I was following a certain Jesus. Where is he? The word says that he is our healer. But you might be praying for a certain person and healing in your own life or a sick family member that eventually passes. The word says that he is our provider. You might be struggling financially with debt for a number of years, not being able to afford the desires of your life. You might, you might, the word says that he is our comforter, but you may have lost a child. Jesus is always there. He never went away. It is us who stop believing in Jesus for the healing over our lives. It is us that is not handed over our finances yet to the Lord. It is us who blames God for the passing of a child or pushes God away when in fact he wants to get closer to us in these times. Following Jesus does require us to commit and realize that he's going to be perceived in a different way. You're going to see him in a completely different way. But, but be reassured that he is always there. He is always there. All of us have gone through some traumatic uh, experience in life. Maybe not dramatic, but traumatic. And, and if it hasn't happened yet, it, it may still happen. But just remember that you need to lay your, your, um, your, uh, your, yourselves upon Jesus and lay your, your trust upon Jesus, knowing that he will come through for you no matter what. The third area, we participate in God's mission and story, aiming to see our neighborhoods, region, and world redeemed and flourishing. Everyone say, participate. Participate. All right, so this is what we're going to do today. Come on. All right, so before we do that, let's pray and let's commit this uh, message to the Lord. Father, I bring this message to you right now. I want to ask, Lord Jesus, that you will anoint my words, season it with salt right now, Father. That every word spoken, Lord, from the pulpit today, there'll be words, Lord, that people can stitch to their hearts, Father. I pray, the Lord, that you will open up the eyes, Lord Jesus, the spiritual eyes, Lord, that have been, maybe been closed for many years. I pray, Lord, that you will remove the scales from our eyes and that we will see you in the way that you see us. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will reveal yourself to us this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, so God's mission. So we participate in God's mission. So I'm going to speak a little bit this morning about God's mission, and I'm going to ask three uh, particular questions pertaining to God's mission. So the first one is, what is God's mission? I'm going to try and help you guys understand that. Why is it so important um, to be a part of God's mission? And thirdly, how do I participate in God's mission? And so the first question, what is God's mission? The answer requires us to look at the overarching story of the Bible and how church continues to be a part of that story. The statement, God is on a mission to redeem us and the world and also for us to flourish. All right, so very key statement. God is on a mission to redeem us and the world so that we can flourish. God is all for our best life, guys. He is all for our best life. As Jesus' followers, we are invited to be a part of this adventure every single day. So I want to talk about redeem and flourish. This is God's mission. So a little bit of a, of a definition. What is the word redeem? It's not a word that we use very often, right? It's not like, yeah, we're going to be redeeming ourselves. It's not a word that we use that often. So I just want to kind of clarify what it means. What it means is to buy back. It is to get or win back. It's to free us from the distresses or harms such as 
to be free from captivity by payment or ransom, right? So that means to redeem. The word, defin um, the definition for flourish is grow or develop a healthy, vigorous way, especially as a result of a particular compatible environment, like the wild flowers flourish next to the banks of a river or your weeds in your back garden. That happens in mine. I don't know about yours. Although all through the Bible, God talks about being on a mission, a rescue mission for his people, the Israelites, but for us as well. A couple of examples. The Israelites were in captivity for 400 years in, in, in Egypt, right? But God sent Moses on a rescue mission to be able to be a part of the rescuing process, the redemptive process of his people getting them out of Egypt. Why? What, what, why? Because he wanted them to flourish. He wanted them to be their own nation. He wanted them to have their own land. God's people were taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. And God used King Cyrus, who came as a king a few years later, to be a part of that mission of saving those people. He basically said, these people, they need to go back. They need to go back. Why did he, why did he allow them to go back? Because God wanted to see them flourish again by rebuilding Jerusalem and by rebuilding the temple so that they can worship God again. The ultimate method of rescuing his people, God's people, you and me, is by sending his son, Jesus Christ, so that we can be forgiven of our, of our sins and most importantly, be in relationship with God. Because when we're in relationship with God, we will flourish in this life. We will understand what is the purpose of our designer's uh, role of our lives. What, what is the purpose? Why are we being called? What, why are we doing what we are doing? We will understand what it means to flourish when we are in relationship with God. Second question, why is it important to be a part of his mission? We have to look no further than the life of Peter, one of the 12 disciples. He was the one that caught Jesus' attention the most. He was quite an interesting guy, um, to say the least. Uh, and, and why weren't the other disciples like Bartholomew, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, just to name a few. Anyone heard of those guys? Yeah, I just kind of like mentioned them by name. They didn't, in the, in the gospel, they didn't really play a significant role as, as Peter did, right? So why, again, was Peter, previously named Simon, so exemplified in the New Testament? Why was he one that was noticed and mentioned the most in the gospels? I believe because he adopted the three faith statements. He was seeking Jesus and God's presence regularly, passionately following Jesus. He was passionate. I'm going to give you a few examples on how passionate he was. And he also participated in what Jesus Christ was doing here on earth. A few examples of those out of Matthew 14, example of participating is when Peter walked on the water with Jesus. He, 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 Jesus invited him to participate. He said, Peter asked, Lord, can I, can I come to you? And he's like, hey man, jump overboard, come join me. So Peter participated and did something that defied science and defied the, 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 the laws of nature. He did something incredible. No other disciple did that. Peter participated. Matthew 16, as a, role, as a result of Peter seeking, Peter was recognized by Jesus as the rock on which the church 
will be built uh, will be built through the revelation of Jesus Christ and who he was when Jesus asked the question who do people say that I am Peter said you are the Christ the son of the living God because he had spent time seeking Christ John 21 Peter threw himself overboard to follow Jesus Jesus came to the seashore after he had risen uh, and there was about 100 meters off of the seashore Peter and his brothers and a few other a few other disciples they were also fishermen they were following Jesus were on their way back had caught nothing that evening on there from uh, a night's fishing Jesus stood with a hundred yards or meters away and said to the guys from the shore hey throw your nets on the other side of the boat and there you will catch fish they're like okay let's do that they did it and they caught a huge amount of fish John exclaimed he said that is Jesus. When Peter heard that, he put on his tunic or his clothes and he jumped out of the boat a hundred yards off of the shore and started swimming to go and follow Jesus yet again. A passionate individual following Jesus. In Acts 2, the result of Peter seeking Jesus. On the day of Pentecost, Peter shared with the crowd who Jesus really was. Those who loved, who believed in Peter were baptized and added to the church that day, 3,000 in all, in total. Peter was a remarkable human being. He went all in. He went all in, seeking Jesus, seeking God's presence, following Jesus, and participating in what Christ was doing. No one but Jesus in this world, sorry, he flourished. Peter flourished uh, as, as a consequence of, uh, of, of these three things. Jesus, Peter understood that to seek God's presence, to follow Jesus daily, and participate in what he's been called to do in Christ was the result of his life flourishing. That is why I believe why Peter was exemplified in the way that he did. He went all in. He went all in. No one but Jesus can save this world from his destructive self. Jesus has given us this mandate, the Great Commission and the great commandment. The great commission is to go and baptize people, which we'll be doing today, exciting, <clears throat> and, uh, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and go and make disciples. The great commandment, go and love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, and love your neighbor in the same way as well too. Back to the story of John 21. I think this is a real turning point for the disciples there they were on the beach. Jesus had just called them in. They caught a huge amount of fish, throwing their nets on the other side. Jesus was there around, uh, around a fire. He gathered them in a little circle, almost like they're doing scouts around the fire, having some, some fish and enjoying some food. There they were sitting over there. And Jesus said to them, guys, 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 listen, come in, come, come, huddle, huddle. Let's talk. And Jesus asked this very question to Peter, which I think was the transformative question in his life and the other's lives. He asked him this question. You asked Peter this question. He said, Peter, do you love me? Peter answered, Jesus, yes, I do. You know this. Jesus said to him, then feed my lambs. He asked him again, Peter, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, I do. And Jesus said, then go and feed my sheep. And a third time, he asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter was distorted, and he was, he, was, he was, visually, he was almost embarrassed. Remember, this was 
this was after he had denied Jesus three times, right? So he, and he said, yes, Lord, I love you. And then Jesus said, go and feed my sheep. Basically, this was a turning point for, for Peter and the rest of his disciples. The, the, this guy, this is the crux of it all. After Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead, they all scattered. They all went their, their separate ways. They, you know, these disciples that were fishermen went back to fishing. The others, Matthew probably went back to tax collecting. But it was, they, they were all scattered. They went all over the place. But Jesus called them in. He said, guys, guys, stop what you're doing. And this is what I'm going to commission you with. Jesus charged them with this purpose over their life. He said, no longer are you going to be fishing for, for fish anymore, but fishing for men. He said that much, much earlier when he first called them. But basically, this is what he reminded them about, is that you guys need to go and feed my sheep. They were called into ministry. They were called to, to build churches. They were, going to, they were called to go and spread the gospel in, in, in distant lands. And they finally had this purpose. They finally were removed from their, their jobs of, of catching slimy, scaly creatures with nets and, and rickety wooden old boats. Now they were, they were commissioned to be able to go and do something for Christ. They were empowered to go and fulfill the mission of Christ. To go into the world and baptize people. To go and make disciples. To love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, and mind. And to go and love people. If you forget everything else that I've said this morning, I want you to remember this very thing. When you find yourself in what you are doing in the place that you are at in your life, there is no greater satisfaction than there is no greater satisfaction. There is nothing that can replace the feeling of knowing that I am doing what I have been called to do. There is no greater satisfaction in this life than discovering your purpose in this life and what you've been called to do. There's no greater satisfaction, guys. There is nothing else in this life that is going to satisfy you more than when you discover your purpose in this life and your calling. You can fulfill your calling and working in the marketplace to discover your purpose. The two are not mutually exclusive. It's important to understand, guys, that many of us have been called to the marketplace to fulfill our purpose and our calling. Not everyone's been called to, to the ministry, and, 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 that, and, that, and that's fine. Don't look at the 12 disciples and, and say, oh, well, Jesus gave them a, a, a mandate and, and called them to do certain things. And, oh, that, oh well, that, that time on the beach when they were singing, sitting around the fire and Jesus commissioned them and said, go and, and feed my sheep. Oh, that's just for them. No, absolutely not. It's for every single one of us in this auditorium here today. You have to look no further than Paul, right? So those who know the life of Paul, he was on the road to Damascus to go and put more Christians in prison. He had an encounter. Jesus spoke to him. A light came to him. He was blind for three days. He had poor Ananias come and uh, pray over him. He was then received his, his, his sight again. Straight after that, Paul went into marketplace ministry. He went and go and made tents for a living for a number of years. You're like, Matthew, but how, how is that possible? He's just had an encounter with Jesus Christ. He was blind, he was prayed for, his sight returned again, but then, then he went into marketplace ministry. I don't get that. Okay, his life was under threat, let's be honest, so he did go somewhere else, and he started 
in the marketplace. He was making tents. So there he was. He was busy cutting uh, sheets. He was busy sewing them together, putting tent poles and, and tent lines. And he did this for a number of years. But he was still fulfilling a calling and his purpose in the marketplace. He was still talking to people about Jesus and in the encounter that he had on the, on the road to Damascus. People's lives were changing and being transformed because he was exercising what God had called him to do in the marketplace. And I think that's so important to recognize that, guys, that if we think the world is going to try and convince you that working in the marketplace is only there to be able to pay the bills, to afford that vehicle, to afford the house and go for that one once a year uh, holiday. If that's what you believe today, you are missing out on so much that the Lord has in store for you when it comes to your calling. I'm going to get to being very practical. You guys know me. I'm a very practical individual. I'm going to be talking about that at the end of my message. But you will be truly missing out on your, on your mission, your calling, and ultimately your purpose of your life if you think that being in the marketplace is only there to pay the bills for that house, the vehicle, and go for the holiday. Guys, that is, that is like the bare basics. Those are the hygiene factors of what it means to work in the, in the marketplace. We're actually called there for a mission. We're actually called there for a purpose. And our purpose is telling our people, the people that we work with, about Jesus. My third question, how do we participate in his mission? Well, I'm glad you asked. I will tell you right now how to be a part of that. How to be a part of that. All right, so to participate, of course, means to, to serve, right? We encourage people to serve in this church. I think it's important. But again, it's not the replacement for God's mission. The opposite to participate is spectator, right? So I was thinking about, Joe, getting you up on stage with your suit, your Griffin suit. I thought, oh, man, I don't know if that would be a big ask. But Joe, is a, he's a football player, man. And that guy, when he, when he gets the ball, he gets aggressive. Man, watch out for those guys. Watch out when Joe uh, has the ball. But then they've got the spectators and they're cheering him on. Go, Joe, go, Joe, go. And they're going. But they, they're, not, they're not in the game. They're not in the game. They're a spectator. They are not a participant in what's happening in the game. And if you want to be a, pot, a participant in what's happening in your life, you need to partake in what's happening here and now and where you are. Participation is not a passive stance of just going to work, doing your job, and that's it. A, 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 a participation is not coming to church, just sitting over here and enjoying the message. Participation means to participate, is to be a part of. And guys, I would say that participation has been a big part of my life. And Christelle's life, many of those are in, in the auditorium today. And I don't truly believe that God would have transformed my life as he has if I, hasn't, if I haven't actively participated in what he's doing in my life. And I want to give you a few examples of how to participate, right? So let's, let's get practical, get your notebooks out, take out your phones. Let's take a few notes over here because this is some good stuff that's coming right your way. So let's look at it. So Lynn spoke about Romans 12, right? So she said it was the solid foundation of how to live a life integrated with Jesus, so that's really important. It's an integration of, of being with Jesus, Romans 12. Again, reread it again, and you'll be encouraged. So outside of church gatherings, how do I participate? I want you to be intentional about your faith. What you believe has to be intentional. 
You know, don't, you know I'm, not, I'm not saying when you're in the workplace, force it down people's throats. You need to love Jesus. I mean, you know, they're going to be like, hey, man, you're a freakazoid. I don't want to be a part of that. What's going on there? No, encourage, I want to encourage you to not be shy of your faith when asked about it. So at work, um, as mentioned earlier, you will fulfill your calling and uh, work in the marketplace to discover your purpose. Tell your colleagues what you did on a Monday. Uh, Tell your colleagues on a Monday when they ask, what did you do over the weekend? And, and, And don't leave the fact that you attended church out of the conversation. How many interesting conversations I have had around the coffee table on a Monday morning when people ask, oh, Matthew, so what did you do on the weekend? So oh, I did this with the kids, and then I attended church, and we went, oh, you attend church? Oh, I do are and through under. You're a believer. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. And so the questions that come as a consequence of that, I'm not forcing anything down their throats. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not like, yeah, I'm a Christian, you need to believe as well. You know, that's, that's not at all. I, I'm, just, I'm just telling them what I did on the weekend. You know, it's kind of simple. It's a very easy, practical way to tell people about Christ in your working place. Love your colleagues. Look, I know I've, I've, you know, I've been in, in high positions in the marketplace as well too, and I, I understand it can be a little bit cutthroat, everyone trying to climb the corporate ladder. I understand how it works, but I want you guys to, to remember this. How are we going to differentiate ourselves in the marketplace? Love your colleagues. Support them. Don't, you know, let's not be nasty when we're there. I, I can understand sometimes you feel like, oh, that guy's getting all the shine, all the glory. And, no, let, let's support our colleagues. Let's, let's, let's love them. Let's help them. Help them in their careers. And in so doing, I believe that you will be helped as well. Participate. Participate in doing what God is doing in your workplace. It might be in the recreational area. It might be at the gym or the hobby or hobbies that you have as well too. At uh, My workplace has got a gym. I was uh, in the men's clothing room. I was, speaking, I was just speaking to a, a guy, and we, would spoke, we spoke about eternity and, and, and um, the life of, after death. And we did, I don't know how we got there. And I just said that, yeah, no, I'm, I'm so anxious because I, I've, I've got so little time left here on this earth because I, you know, I, I want more people to get to know Jesus. And he's like, yeah, 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 that's interesting. Wow. And we were just engaging in this conversation. And he was like, yeah, yeah, that, that's so, in- I also think about those things sometimes and not getting people so, but at least, you know, life off. And so it was such an engaging conversation. And, you know, we were at the gym there in our towels and just in, yeah, and enjoying each other's presence. That's it. Okay, I won't say any more. <laughs> I don't want to put any further pictures in your minds. <laughs> but it was great. We just had an awesome conversation. Um, another place, your family, right? Extended family. Participate in those, those family gatherings. Guys, look, I know you get those weird uncles, and they're just like, oh, it's so awkward to be around this guy, and I, and I, and I get that. I really understand that. I know we've yeah, we, we got a couple of black sheep. Actually, we've got a whole flock of black sheep in my family. Uh, there's more black sheep than there are white. And, and so I understand how it is sometimes to be in those extended family sessions. But I'm going to be honest with you, Crystal and myself have, have participated in those family gatherings, and so much so, our family looks at our lives. And they're constantly just like, wow, guys. And, and we don't do anything special. We're not like preach to them. We just, you know, do the things that the world doesn't do. And they come to us and they, they ask us for advice. And it's been many, many years. But they've come to us and they've spoken to us. And we see a, a, their lives changing as time goes by. And so I want to encourage us to participate in being in that, in that area. Band, I just want to invite you to come up uh, as I close. Always be ready to give an account of Jesus. Always be ready to give an account of Jesus. Wherever you are, 
Stefan was at, the, uh, at a milk factory a couple of uh, months ago when we asked the question, why do we follow Jesus? And Stefan was able to, to answer that and have a dialogue with his colleagues around the f- machine that was filling milk in carton packages. And it was a great conversation. And there's many other times that you're going to be sitting in a scenario where you might be in a meeting or you might be, you know, coaching a child or you might be in, in the gym busy pumping iron or you, you might be as a fight, you know, wherever it is you are, always be ready to give an account of your faith. All right? So important. All right. Um, you guys can start. Thanks, guys. All right. So church gatherings. All right. So this is where we are. All right. So this is where the meat really is, is uh, going to be on the bone. There's nothing wrong with serving in a team. And I think it's so important. And I want to encourage you being, uh, being in a serving capacity, participating in teams. Again, uh, I've said it a few times, but the only team that I haven't participated in is the Fika team. Uh, Stina hasn't invited me there yet, and I know she will. I know it's coming. I know I have some gifting in that area, baking cakes, making coffee. But participate. In the last 14, 15 years that I've been here, I've served in every team. And it's been such a privilege to do so. The Lord has done a transformational work in my heart in this area. Prayer. Prayer is such an important area, and and we're going to, and, and, and it is an important aspect of our of our faith and our in our Christian walk. Come to pre-service prayer. If you guys arrive here by 10 o'clock, um, join us in the lounge. No matter if you're a leader or if you've got a certain position in church, I want to encourage you, come to church at 10 o'clock and join us for pre-service prayer. Experience his presence. When when the service leader is busy uh, busy uh, um, uh, praying on, on the service on, on the prayer points, let's participate in the prayer, don't just passively listen to Justin passionately praying for, for our lives and for our children's lives. And, but let, let's, let's participate in that. Let's make sure that we come once a month, guys. It's, it's, it's not a big ask. Once a month to, to the prayer room that happens on Thursday nights. Once a month. I want to invite you guys. We're only about five or eight people participating at a church out of 120. I want you guys to join for that because I truly believe that you will start seeing a transformation take place in your life because you pray. If prayer for Jesus was good enough, it's good enough for us as well too. Mark 1.35, Jesus went off to a solitary place and <clears throat> where he prayed to God. Matthew 14, 23, Jesus went up the mountain and he prayed to God. Matthew 26, verses 36, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane prayed to God. Jesus had to pray. He had to participate in what God was doing in his heart. To have the energy, to be able to have the motivation, to be able to have a desire to do what God has called him to do. He was human just like us, guys. That's why he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, God, if it's at all possible, let this cup pass from me. This cup of anguish that's laying ahead of me. The whipping, the beating, the nailing on the cross. But he understood that he had to pray to God. And he got a word. And, God, and he knew God spoke to him. He's like, Jesus, this is the only way. This is the only way that my people are going to be saved. And for them to be able to end up in heaven with me one day. For me to forgive their sins and be in relationship with him. This is the only way. So Jesus understood that he had to pray. And so do we. If we want to see 
a revelation take place in our life, if you want to see transformation take place, if you want to see breakthrough take place in your life for the sick, for your finances, for maybe a loss that you've had in your life, we need to be praying. We need to participate in what God is doing. Praise and worship, another key area. So when we praise and worshiping, guys, don't just sing the songs and, and stand there. Thank you, Lord, I desire, you know, whatever you are singing, don't just stand there. Actively participate with your body. Lift your hands, close your eyes. Pray to God while you're there, while you're singing as well too. Because I really believe that God will do something in your heart when you are praising and worshiping God. I really believe it in my heart. It's happened to me so many times. In Psalms 100, it says, Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him, singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pastures. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Go into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. So guys, let's participate in praise and worship. Next time we sing at the end of the service, I want us to participate, lift our hands, lift our voices, sing to God. The last area that I want to encourage you guys is the altar call. Now I know this can be a very difficult thing when you're standing there and I ask you to come forward for prayer for a certain area. It might be, let's use an example, addiction, whatever it might be. And you, and you come forward and you're just thinking, oh, people are judging me because I have a person with addiction, whatever it might be. Don't worry. The person sitting next to you that you think is judging you is struggling with the very same thing. You're the brave one who's come forward to get breakthrough in your life in that area. So I want to encourage you. Don't, don't think about the person next to you. Don't think about what they think about you. Just come forward. Come forward for prayer. Because I really believe in those, in the coming of the forward, coming forward and desiring to see breakthrough in your life. The Holy Spirit in that time is going to move. He's, he, you want to participate right there and then when there's a move of God happening in the front of you. There's nothing special about this area. There's no holy curtain over here. It's, it's not about that. It's about coming forward, taking that step and wanting to see breakthrough take place. It's the active step of participation in what God is, one, what you want to see breakthrough take place in your life and what you want to see God do in your life. I'm going to end with this. To flourish is to find purpose. To flourish is to find purpose. To find purpose, you need to seek God's presence. You need to be able to follow Jesus intentionally. And you need to participate in his mission. Guys, without the, doing these things, you're not going to ex experience a transformed life. You're not going to experience the life that God has called you to. These are, are really key faith statements that we put together. And we really believe it's going to help you belong to this local church. We really believe it's going to transform your life. Understand what your purpose is in life and have a deeper relationship with God. No matter where you find yourself or where, you, where you're living or working, maybe in the marketplace or the ministry, God is inviting you to participate in His mission. God is encouraging you to be a part of that. 
By doing so, you will flourish and find your God-designed purpose in this life. As you participate in his mission, I wholeheartedly believe that you will discover your mission and your purpose, but you will help others as well to discover their purpose and their mission. All right? Fantastic, guys. Okay, let's just close our eyes right now and let's stand and um, let's, uh, let's continue to worship the Lord right now. But I, I wanted to pray first and I wanted to encourage you guys to, to just take a time of focus right now. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we bring a focus to you and your face right now. Jesus, we, we want to seek you and seek your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, that we can intentionally follow you daily. Thank you, Father, that you invited us to to participate in your mission, to be a part of that process of redemption and for us to flourish, find purpose, and to discover our calling over our lives. So as we we praise and worship, and if you feel that you haven't quite found and discovered your purpose yet and you're still struggling to understand what is your calling, I want to invite you forward as we as we sing this last song and and also at the end of the service as well too if you if you feel that you that you want that you that you feel like you can't come forward right now but you feel brave enough to come at the end and that, that's fine as well. But I want us to, to focus right now as we participate in singing, as we participate in praise and worship, that you invite Christ into your heart to reveal certain things about your life areas that you need to let go of, things that you need to adopt, new mindsets that you need to gain. I pray this morning, Father, that you will be with us, Lord, as we boldly step out in faith, as we come forward for prayer. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will do a work, an inner work in our hearts that as we get a revelation of you, that a transformational journey will start. I pray, Lord, that we will be transformed into the image of Christ, that we will discover what it means to live a life that's filled with Christ, a life that is abundant, that is flourishing, Lord, as we step into our purpose in this life, as we step into our our purpose and our calling, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will help us, Lord, in the same way, help others discover what it means to live a life that is purposeful, that is meaningful. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you for this right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.